Thanks for tuning in to the Empire Boxing Podcast. A huge thank you to our partners at Sting Boxing. It doesn't matter if you're into boxing for fitness, as an amateur, or as a pro, Sting has something for you. Head to their website, stingsports.ca, and use the code EMPIRE10 at the checkout to receive 10% off. An Empire Boxing and Unlearning Network production. Welcome back to the Empire Boxing Podcast, and I'm your host, Coach Jay. Today we have like I said, local legend, uh, a good pal of mine. I've been super excited about this episode for quite some time. We've got Joey Foy, AKA Sapperton Scrapper on Instagram. If you haven't seen, like, well, we're banging around on social media all the time. Always. Throwing bombs. So if you haven't seen it yet, like where have you been? Get your head out of your ass. Uh, Joey, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super psyched. Just be here and just yeah, yeah. We just had a great podcast uh, pre-show. We were talking about Filipino food and traditional Filipino Seven Up marinated <laughs> stuff. And I'm just, my, I've, I've just had my whole mind opened. I heard words I'd never heard before, and I have a feeling this is going to be a really fun episode. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So before it, let's just rip the bandaid off and talk about what happened to your voice, bro. So I just started a brand new class out in Richmond at a gym called RSF, and. First of all, shout out to RSF. Thank you for having me in there. Um, we had an amazing turnout yesterday. And uh, it was a full room, busy room. And I had to get the point across real quick. So I was barking a lot, yelling, commanding the room. Everyone killed it. I should remind that. Um, yeah, two classes in a row of just me yelling. Oh, you and had the double trouble. Double trouble back to back. Wow. Somebody get this boy a tea with some <laughs> honey and lemon. So are you teaching once a week now there? Once a week for now. Hopefully a few more uh, coming down the line. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited. Sick. Okay. Yeah. And like, how do people come to your classes? So in order to come to the class, you're going to want to contact RSF. You're going to want to look at their Instagram or their, uh, their website. And there should be bookings online as well as I teach at uh, Pinnacle Martial Arts, mm -hmm. located in Richmond as well. I'm one of the head striking coaches. I teach on Tuesdays. Please, I highly recommend showing up. Uh, my Tuesday class is a boxing-focused class. I do a drilling and fundamentals, and then concepts and sparring uh, the hour after. At the other gym, RSF, we're treating it very green. It's brand new, so I'm really taking it slow with the intro to boxing, and then fundamentals uh, in the second class. I want everyone to learn how to walk before they run. Mm. Learn how to drive the car before yeah. they race the car. Absolutely. Yeah. Wicked. So this is new. So congratulations. And uh, yeah, like we'll definitely help you any way we can. Give the word. Because I, I totally believe in you as a coach. I think I started, we were just talking about this, trying to figure out when I first started training with you. But uh, I came back from, from LA and like three years ago, I guess now. Wow. Jeez. Right? It's so. 2023. Yeah. Damn, welcome. And uh, and I was training with my, my buddy Tarek as well. And then I I, I know uh, we have a mutual friend, Nas. Uh, yeah. Shout out Nas. And uh, she said, you got to check. I remember I remember Anna Ferrant and I going into Grindhouse ages ago. And like before I even left for, no, when I first got back from LA, yeah. sitting down with Nas and she was telling me about you. She's like, oh, this kid's different. That's what she kept saying. This kid's different. You know, you've got to check out his pads. He's so good. He's so bright. He's so um, enthusiastic. And uh, so I was like, okay, cool. I heard that a couple of times. I was like, okay, let's do it. And that is exactly what you were and are. And uh, it was, I was really stoked to not only see someone that had the such a, a talent for pad holding, which is an art, right? Lots of people are out there doing it right mm -hmm. now. This is cool. Power to you. But it is an art. You can be bad at it. Yeah. Right? And that's okay because a lot of people that are bad at something are generally new at something. Or they don't understand the intricacies because they don't understand the sport. Right? So I guess what I'm trying to say, there's levels to it. And I definitely think you have, have forged your path clear in Vancouver and sit at one of the top in the game. So I'd highly recommend checking out uh, Joe for a session if you haven't or hitting up one of his new classes. That means so much to me. Thank you so much. And I will, I would like to say this. I was so bad at it. And that's oh, why. Oh, we all were. Oh, yeah. I was embarrassed because one, I fight Southpaw and everyone else is Orthodox. Mm. And so holding it, it was just weird for me. And I, I made it my mission to not suck. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> well, yeah, mission successful. It's interesting, right? Like, cause you, it, it is as soon, it's like you short circuit. As soon as yeah. you have to hold, like hold for a Southpaw, yeah. <laughs> Jason, <laughs> like, I'm like, uh, you know, it, it yeah. totally scrambles your eggs for a second. So like what, how, how did you not suck? Like what was your process to getting better at that? So I'll give you this little rundown. So there was a guy at our gym, uh, who was kind of like a big brother to me at it 
We're called Pinnacle now, but it used to be called Checkmat Vancouver. Okay, I was confused about that. So thanks for the clarity, because I remember yeah. you talking about Checkmat, and then yes. I thought it was a different place. Okay. Yes, yeah, so we transitioned our name over, and we used to have this guy in there who was one of the, essentially, the heads, like one of the top-tier fighters at the gym. Mm-hmm. His name was Brendan Kornberger, and to this day, I will... He's at the top of my list. He's the man. Mm. And if anybody knows him, I guarantee they'll say the same thing. Um, I've never heard a bad thing about him. And I give him a lot of credit because he, in ways, really showed me the road and like took me under his wing in different aspects of the game. And I just remember, first of all, this guy was a unified champ. He fought in Battlefield. He was a TKO champion. He, at one point, he was the baddest man in Canada. Hmm. And I remember that we were just drilling in class and I had to hold pads for this guy. And I was just deaf in the hands. Mm. I, I couldn't, I didn't know my left from right, right from left. And this man who was, like I said, one of the baddest men in the country showed me nothing but love and patience. Mm. And I told myself on that day that I'm like, I'm not going to suck anymore at this mm. because I don't want to take away from someone else's training. And I've, I've been around the block. I've seen people get hurt. I've seen people get injured because of um, bad pad holding. Mm. And um, from that day on, I, I made it my mission to be like, hey, invest some time into this. Treat it like you treat boxing or wrestling or anything else. This is also an art, like you've said. Mm. So that was kind of how I got into it at the very start. Mm. And would you agree? Like, I think also <clears throat> developing, so even, even for like our casual fitness boxing fanatics, like, you know, going to their pad classes and loving it and, you know, holding for their pals and stuff. I do think there's an element of getting a good sense of a good base of pad work skills actually improves your boxing. Like, I, I think it, I, I think it feeds in. Like, do you agree? I couldn't agree more. I, um, at the end of the day with pad holding, um, I've been thinking about this a lot because I want to start to transition a lot of my training to teaching people the art of holding pads. Just because mm. you can hit them doesn't mean you can hold them. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I'm, I'm tired and I'm sick of seeing people get hurt from people just doing silly shit mm-hmm. on the mitts, not understanding depth and range. And what, someone's popping elbows and shoulders. Exactly. And, all sorts of things. Yeah. And, the, and jamming punches and exactly hyperextending. Yeah. Um, it is so, so important. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't go to school for fitness. Mm. By trade, I'm a carpenter. That's what I am. And when I see people go to these and get their PTs, nothing, nothing against it. That is amazing. Keep doing that. But for some reason, they think they can hold a pair of mitts. Mm. No, that is not how this works. That should be almost a completely separate thing. Mm-hmm. And we need to be educated on that. Mm-hmm. We need to learn the art. Mm-hmm. We need to know the reasons why and how and actually how to utilize the tools, mm-hmm. right? There's the difference between each myth that we use, mm-hmm. you know? So I think it needs to be taken a lot more seriously mm-hmm. in the mainstream uh, scene. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's, that's a, I think, a field of education that's wide open. It's like, how do we take these PTs potentially who want to offer this service as to their clients, which I could unpack further. And I think that, it, I think it comes from a little bit of, one, Respect it. It's, they're hustling, trying to be of value and of yes. service. They're trying yes. to pay their bills. Okay, that's cool. You know? 100%. And then, but at the same time, it's like, when you don't stay in your lane on something and you go from being a PT to like, well, I'm your physiotherapist too. Don't worry about it. I can be your nutritionist. Don't worry about yeah. it. I'm your pad holder. Don't worry about it. I can be your chiro too. Don't worry about it. It's just like, eventually the quality of service you're providing yes. is bullshit or yeah. subpar. I can You know, more. so there is an element of staying in your lane or go and learn. Yes. And we've been talking about this a little bit. You're kind of interested in, in paving that path a little bit to teach PTs how to hold pads. and I would love or, or just casual people that are probably interested in, like, yeah. hold for their partner or their friends or going to classes. How do you bridge the gap? Because I think a lot of these classes are focused on actually throwing the punches, being the boxer. But being on the other side is as important, too. Exactly. So, like I said, I'm a, I was a carpenter at trade. And people look at concrete and they just see stairs. They see a wall. But the carpenter has to look at at it backwards they Mm. build the mold and as a pad guy you are essentially doing that you are the one leading the dance you are the one telling the other person Mm -hmm. what to do and how to do it and you are setting those boundaries and those references physically with your body and your hands you can't do those things injuries are going to happen bad tendencies are going to happen you're going to create bad habits for the athlete 
and let's say you're not even working with a, with a, a combative athlete, um, you're going to be teaching these people bad form that I keep repeating myself is going to hurt themselves. Mm. So one of the big things right now is that I'm trying to work on is creating a method, creating a curriculum to teach trainers or whoever wants to learn how to hold mitts, how to do it, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's a lot more than holding mitts. It's about communicating to your client or your athlete how to use their body, how to make sure that their body is feeling the correct way before even letting them make contact. Mm-hmm. Well, it's tough for these, you know, <clears throat> PTs out there too, because they don't have the skill set to educate the client or the athlete on what's required pre even striking a pad. Yes. You know, if you don't have a base, you don't have footwork, you don't have a stance, you don't have like, you don't have balance. There's no knowledge of rotation, turning over the punches. There's no real contextual understanding of what each punch is because it does help when you give someone context of what they're learning even if they never want to step into a ring or a cage ever it does help them in the learning process right it's also like educating people that pads are contextual too like a slip isn't just a slip what is the context of that you're slipping a punch the pad holder is essentially throwing a punch you're in the best position to counter etc but if you don't have the skill set to even teach someone about their stance and their balance and their base and rotation and you know whatever yeah holding pads it's almost like you're it's almost like you skipped to the finish line yes right so it is interesting and i wonder i wonder how much of that is at the end of the day there's there's more than just pads to that course it's like educating people but then huh? you know are you taking our jobs away you know <laughs> giving them no pt so, so it's an interesting dilemma a little bit i like that and you know what i've, I've actually thought about, i think we've had this conversation in the past and um yes and no mm. I am so for educating the public because I have the confidence that there's only one Joey. Mm. Um, there's only one Jana. And for now, until Elon Musk yeah. and I sign you never know. the contracts. But my whole thing is I'm very confident in my skills. I'm very confident in how I educate myself. I pride myself in not having much of an ego. So I will go out and learn. And hopefully there's someone else out there like me in a different realm that I can learn from, right? And I would love to teach whoever wants to come in and learn how to hold mitts because I'm confident one in in my skills. Mm. Um, The other thing from a business point of view is I'm like, hey, there's enough food out there for everyone to eat. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we're in a very beautiful, big city, very healthy lifestyle city. And I am more than confident that everyone can eat in this city. Mm. But... On the backside of that, there's only one Joey. There's yeah. only one Jana. Word. You know? Yeah, word. I like that. I like that kind of like taking the approach of uh, abundance and not scarcity. And, and yeah. you're right. You know, if you're confident, you know you have the best product out there, then teach yeah. other people. But there, there is only one you. Yeah. Um, I love that. So let's talk about that, that the forging of the one you. Uh, how'd you cut your teeth in martial arts? So this is funny. I, um, it's one of those uh, imprinted memories. Wicked. Uh, which is super dope. And like, I remember four years old, I'm goofing around outside. My mom comes outside and says, hey, do you want to do, do karate? I'm like, oh yeah, I want to do fucking karate. Yeah. So sick. Give me the gi. Yeah. Showed up. <laughs> first karate class, rocking jeans and a Mickey Mouse shirt. Yes. And, you know, it was just an after school activity for me. And it ended up becoming like an actual passion of mine. And mm. then it went to when I was like 18 and I got to compete in the in the States a few times and stuff like that. That's actually where my teaching career started because I was given a chance to start teaching there. And then through high school, I wrestled and that became my favorite sport. Um, I give my coach, his name was Gord Sturrock. His name is Gord Sturrock. And uh, he was like, he revolutionized coaching for me. I, I give a lot of credit to that man because I remember watching documentaries about wrestling and just being like, oh, it's gritty. It's tough. You got to, you know, go, go, go. You're puking at practice. You're sprinting, doing all this stuff. Is that not true, though? Because I've heard wrestling training is some of the most grueling. 100%. Like grueling. 100%. And he was an Olympic alternate and he was on Team Canada and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But he knew his audience. Right. He says, we'll play soccer for your warm up. Okay, like we're going to play the knee touch game, sprawl every time. He made 
practice enjoyable. Mm. And then the new Westminster program became one of the best high school programs because, in my opinion, that was the secret ingredient. He made it enjoyable. Mm. When I find a lot of these people make it too tough. Right. Not like the, uh, what do you call it? The strongest will survive. Yeah. Well, just make everyone strong, you know, and just have different methods of teaching it and getting the point across. Um, So that was one aspect. And after I wrestled through high school, or sorry, at the end of high school, my sister was training capoeira Mm. at a gym called Ashe Capoeira with Lelo and Vinicius. And she comes to me and goes, hey, do you want to do MMA? There's uh, there's MMA at this capoeira studio, Ashe Capoeira on Hastings. Right beside the Save on Meats. Hmm. It's uh, the former Kazushi. Yeah, I was just yeah. going to say pre-Kazushi grappling. Yes. Yeah, pre-pre. Yes. Yeah, Kazushi's so got a new spot. I was about 16 or 17 at the time. And uh, so I go with her and I'm like, man, what are these guys going to do? Dance fight me? And I showed up and I met uh, a man named Achilles. Uh, Achilles Estremadura. And I'm training with this guy and I was like, yo, these guys are about it. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't touch spar these guys. Like, I hit them. They, like, they won't go away. And Achilles built all these young kids, mm-hmm. right? Young van kids. They were just tough as nails. And I'm going with every one of them. And it's like, yeah, I'm, like, touching and I'm scoring. But it wasn't like every, anything I've ever experienced. And you were relying on kind of karate exactly. methods. Okay. I, I was putting karate power on it. Right. And they were putting, like, street power on it. Right. And it was a different mentality, right? I was looking at it as a martial artist, and these younger kids were looking like, yo, I'm going to beat your ass. I'm like, okay. Choose your player. Yeah. <laughs> and I just remember, like, I, it was the first day, and I, we were doing double leg drills after our kickboxing. I, like, double legged a kid off the mat onto this hardwood floor, split my eyebrow, and it was just leaking. And I was like, you know what? I love this place. Hmm. Just, like, dirty Hastings gym and leaking out of my face sister had to rush me to the hospital to get it like mm. uh, glued to, glued back together yeah. and uh i instantly fell in love um that was my first experience with mma and i've stuck with achilles since that day i give achilles that credit i give the ashe capoeira guys that credit mm. of building the man that i am today mm. you know um their rider dies So after that, I started working, stopped training because I graduated high school and make some money. Then I got really fat, really fat, unhealthy, 250 pounds. I was still still this height. I wasn't any taller. Damn, that didn't grow too. Yeah, it's not like I got 250 pounds at 6'5". I hate that. I hate when that happens. (laughs) You know? So I got back to training and uh, I shed the weight. And that's pretty much like my martial arts career from there on. Yeah. yeah. And then even still now, you recently just cornered Achilles in the last BFL event. Correct. So, Kayla, and go back to, so you made a transition at some point from being an athlete, being one of the athletes, to sort of coaching more. Yeah. Um, how was that transition for you? And, and what sort of instigated that? So, this is very interesting. Um, I am very self-conscious about it. I'm actually okay to talk about it now, but I had a very, very short, short fighting career. One and oh, baby. I did look up your uh, topology record. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I was like, okay. Yeah. So I was one and oh, and, uh, fought at 205 for an organization that's not around anymore. Unfortunately, it was called Rise FC. Mm. And, uh, I took the fight and I, I was just grinding all the way through and, you push your body to the limits that are absolutely amazing. What people don't talk about is like your mind gets mm. pushed. Like you are mentally broken. I remember showing up to that gym and being like, fucking, I have to fight. And I was, a, I'm bitching about it. And it was like three, three minute rounds, amateur rounds for MMA. Mm. I'm like, man, like looking back, I'm like, you can't bitch about that shit. Guys are fighting at five, five minute rounds mm-hmm. against world-class killers. But me back then, okay, you're, I, I was regretting, or not regretting, I was dreading going into practice, sparring these guys who just wanted to beat my ass, mm-hmm. literally for the three three-minute rounds for prep closer to the end of the fight. And uh, what I noticed was the amount of stress that it put on uh, on the person, you know? And uh, I went in there, I won, I, I performed well. Uh, thank you to the team. And 
you know, after that fight, I had opportunities to fight again. And I was strongly considering it, stuff like that. But then more fights were coming down the line. And by that point, my pad holding was starting to develop. Mm. And I would always, always be helping people for their fights. Like mm. I said, Brendan Kornberger, he was a shout out to him again. He'd pull me in every time he needed a southpaw. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a Stramadura, same thing. I've been a training partner for his for a while now, as well as uh, another man, Arjun Bullar. Hmm. So he's currently the 1FC heavyweight champion, and he pulled me in at an early age as well. So I was always helping these guys, these killers, mm-hmm. in their fight camps. And I got my martial arts legitimacy not from fighting in the cage, but from assisting these um, these athletes, hmm. right? I've I've worked with guys like Arjun Bullar, Brendan Kornberger, um, Achilles Estremadura, David Perron, um, Tristan Connolly, former UFC fighter, um, just multiple uh, high-level athletes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they would give you better descriptions of what I can provide, mm-hmm. right? So that's where I feel like I got my legitimacy in the martial arts world from. Yeah, so you just yeah. felt kind of more drawn to the coaching side eventually. Yeah. And that's cool. I mean, like, to be honest with you, you know, I don't think that I don't think that all great coaches are synonymously great athletes. And I do not think that all great athletes can make good coaches. I, I don't agree. I don't believe that. And I mean, we've seen it in uh, to name one, huge one, John Danaher. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like one of the greatest. Yeah. Arguably the one of the yeah, one of the greatest yeah. jujitsu coaches in the world. I couldn't agree Doesn't more. Like, I- <laughs> <laughs> right? Like it's so, and I don't believe that because I also believe that if you are, if you are trying to be a serious high level competitor, you don't have the fucking time yeah. to be a good coach, right? You yeah. don't have the, the time to study it, to study each one of your pupils or your students and provide constructive feedback for them, find new ways of communicating to them if something's lost in translation. Cause we all, we all learn a little bit differently. We all need different methods of communication, right? Like you don't have the time to go out and study every single one of your students' uh, opponents. You don't have the time. Yeah. If you're trying to be one of the best in the world at something at a high level, yeah. you don't have the fucking time. You're maybe holding down a job and fighting professionally and that's it. So one other thing that I noticed too was uh, as like the coach versus athlete. Um, from a young age, I'd always kind of watch these guys like GSP and Roy McDonald. Mm. Roy McDonald was one of my favorite guys, George St. Pierre. Um, and I'd be like, man, these guys are sick. What's the common denominator for us a hobby? Right? Who is the guy that assists and helps create and build these fighters, add on these new uh, skill sets. Mm-hmm. Well, it's that guy. Mm-hmm. Well, then I put it into an analogy that I still use today is I'd rather build the car than drive the car. Mm-hmm. Right? I want to be known as someone that can build uh, or assist in building and contributing mm-hmm. to an athlete and give them the skill sets that they can utilize in the ring to provide them with a solid name. Mm-hmm. And then I know that that will eventually attract the people that I want to attract, mm-hmm. you know, and um, the lifespan for a fighter versus coach is very different. Mm-hmm. And I've had my fair share of injuries that are just so bad and terrible and that I, that I don't want to ever experience again. Mm-hmm. And I know that making the transition to coaching will prevent me from getting those injuries as well. Yeah, definitely a lot more longevity. Um, so tell us about Tristan Connolly. How did you get involved with that and end up landing a cornering spot in the UFC? So Tristan is like my annoying big brother. <laughs> that man is Shout hilarious. out Tristan. Yeah, shout out Tristan Connolly, <laughs> man. <laughs> he is hilarious, but he's one of the most kind souls that I know. He is. He has that Labrador mentality. He really does. Right. Just happy-go-lucky will say hi to everyone in the room. He, I've never once seen him big league a person ever. And when I showed up at uh, Checkmat there, he uh, we just started training. Mm-hmm. And then there was a point in his career where he just fought Southpaw and Southpaw and Southpaw. And every Southpaw was similar. Mm-hmm. Boxing, wrestling. Hey, Joey, you have good boxing. You have good wrestling. You're my guy. Mm-hmm. And then eventually he was like, oh, now you got mitt work too under your belt? So I think it was like four, five fights in a row. I just 
cornered, 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 cornered. And I just became kind of this consistent thing in his training camps because mm-hmm. of the the fighters that he'd be fighting against. Right. And then when he got that call for UFC Vancouver short notice, we were already working with working our mitt work. He was already in shape and he pulled me in the corner because I've been such a consistent person. Yeah. And at the at the time we were training a lot together mm-hmm. all the time. And uh that's that's really how it happened, just consistency and repetition of just maintaining that core crew. Right. Yeah. So any more of that in the future, like on the horizon? You know what? I don't know. Yeah. I, I really don't know. I'm flying by the seat of my pants. Like what's next for Achilles? <clears throat> like he just he's got his belt. Yeah, he got his belt right? back. That was an amazing fight. Uh, shout out to Achilles Estremadura for that one. Yeah, I heard uh, nothing but amazing things about that uh, fight. I regret, regretfully didn't get to see it, but all good. Like he, if you can't, if you haven't watched it, check it on Fight Pass. Yeah, it's a great fight to actually break down. Um, so it was a combat sports <clears throat> lovers fight, in my opinion. Okay, cool. It was classic striker grappler. Yeah. Okay, know? cool. And you know what the the fighter that he was fighting was Xavier Nash, and mm. that guy is tough as nails, man. He mm. showed up, and he for, he performed amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a a very good fight, and that is a real um, martial artists fan fight. Mm-hmm. Um, so he won unanimous decision, I believe. And right now we just don't know. Mm-hmm. We we uh, I saw him today and. We're all just pretty like high on the wind still and, yeah. and just enjoying the moment, but we haven't heard anything right. yet. Right. Yeah. Interesting. I'm really curious to see like what can kind of come of that. Cause I mean, there was some talk about Siraj as well and, yeah. you know, possibly something coming down from the line. Shout out Jamie. Hope you're Shout re- out Jamie. recovering from that surgery. I saw him today. Yeah. Man. How's and- that orbital? Handsome as ever. Handsome as ever. Our yeah. Jamie. Oh, Man, bless him. No, he... He performed, man. I'm so happy for that guy, especially yeah. the road that he's taken or, and you know, all the battles that he's gone through. People don't know he's, he's, uh, he's went through a lot in these past few years and to show up the way he did mm-hmm. and completely neutralize a game opponent. Like I said, like, yeah. And I remember him saying, you know, like this guy's, this guy's going to be tough for me. And he said, that's what I want. I want yeah. the toughest guy. I don't want, I don't want the easy fights. I agree. I remember him telling me, he goes, I wanted a fight and I got one. Yeah. I'm like, yo, man, that that's a real warrior. Yeah. You're you're about this. Yeah. This is who you are. Yeah. And he he went out there and from a from a coach's perspective, I went out there and I was I was blown away. Yeah. You completely neutralized another specialist. Yeah. Right. And Jamie, I will say this about the guy. You want to box with him? Go ahead. Mm-hmm. See what happens. Yeah. You want to kickbox with him? You want to do Muay Thai specifically, jujitsu wrestling. He is. He's very diverse. He's, he's, I feel like that, that's the thing that always blows my mind about mixed martial arts is like you have Muay Thai, kickboxing, boxing, wrestling, yeah. jujitsu. Um, what else? Sambo, like fuck it. I don't know. You had a whole bunch of shit yeah. to be really good at. Yeah. So he, he's taken the time. He's ventured. Yeah. You know, he's seen the best of the best. And what they can do. And he's learned from these people. Yeah. And when you stand in front of them, you can feel it. Yeah. You can see it at a young age. Yeah. Right. He's, he's in front of you and he can beat you in every single aspect. Of yeah. The he's, he's very, very high level yes. in, in a lot of the disciplines. That's, which is so cool to see. Cause you, you just, you were, you nod your head to how much time that took. Yeah. You want to talk about 10,000 hours? Try splitting that or like timesing that by five. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Five different disciplines. And when I saw him in training camp, I'm like, yo. Yeah. You were out for how many years? Mm-hmm. I don't believe it. Yeah. If you haven't, uh, if you haven't heard Jamie's story, uh, it's one of our podcast episodes and he kind of breaks it down and it's just unreal. Yeah. I mean, mad respect for, for Jamie Siraj. We wish him of course, all the best. Yeah. And okay. So you were mentioning <laughs> that you had a bit of like your own journey with it coming from gaining a bunch of weight mm-hmm. to like where you are right now. Did, no, it was martial arts specifically and like the training around that and was that kind of like the biggest contributor in that transformation in your life or what else did 100%. you do percent so there's a few things construction sucked <laughs> like if i'm being no, honest really oh it was terrible because every time i see these guys like on roofs and stuff i'm like that looks so much fun <laughs> in like 30 degree heat just <laughs> i'm like there was you know what some aspects were great i'm not even gonna lie i learned this amazing skill i worked with some really amazing people um and I'll never lose those skills. And I still talk to those people to this day. Um, 
the real reason I actually got out of construction was at the time it was COVID. Mm. So things were really like COVID was just hitting the scene. Yeah. Um, and I just remember being on site and not being able to train. You know, I couldn't train. Yeah. And I had to go to this job that everybody hated and I was working commercial. And I remember specifically that there was this one gentleman on the crew who's just very, he went out of his way to be rude. Yeah. Went out of his way. Mm. And it blew me away. I'm like, yo, I'm not this guy. I'm not that guy. Be that guy. Tell us what happened next. Be that guy. I'm like, (laughs) you are not tough enough to be this rude. Mm. And it's just the honesty of it. Like, and it got to the point where he's verbally threatening me. Right. And so I'm you like, smash him or what? No, no, no. Yeah, I was, <clears throat> don't leave me down this road and then leave me. Okay. All I'm right. A, I'm a very. You had a chat. I'm a very like passive guy. I'm like, hey man, like I diffuse everything. I was like, Jim, and then he hit him with the two by four and yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Just okay. pulled a chair out. All right. All right. Yeah. And it just, um, I'm very passive. I, I really just like shit deflect it. I'm like, yo man, like I, I'm no, it's mm-hmm. not happening. And then. It got to the point where he said something to me. I looked at him and I said, talk to me like that again, I'll fucking slap you. And I stopped and I bit my tongue because I was so upset with myself. Mm. Because that is not the person that I am. Mm. That's not who I want to be seen as. That's not how I want to be represented. And you kind of let him drag you down for a second. And I can't believe to this day, I'm like, how could you let some other person get you to that point? Or you get to that point because of something someone else said. I am in full control of my emotion. I'm in full control of what I say. I am in charge of what I do. If I make a mistake, it's my mistake. And what I said there was a mistake. Mm. And I told myself, I need to get out of this environment Mm -hmm. because obviously it's not doing good things for me. Mm -hmm. And this isn't my passion. This isn't the reason why I'm on this planet. Yeah. Right? So from that point on, I, I pretty much just quit my job. And I was like, yo, I, I can't do this. Like, shout out it, to that guy then, though, because he set you yeah. on your path. Yeah. It, you know, shout out to him. Yeah. Not dropping names. Yeah. Um, Too bad. But it low-key, it's one of the best things because mm-hmm. look at me now. I, I got to do my passion. I was forced to do it. Yeah. And when I jumped into this, I didn't do it for the money. I literally thought I was going to make a quarter of what I made, if that. Listen, anyone that gets into this industry full-time is not doing it for the money. Exactly. At, at first, Absolutely yeah. not. It is a passion thing and you mm-hmm. sweat and you stink and you bleed and you hurt yes. and you spend all your money on phys- physiotherapy and shit and you don't know when the next client's coming around the corner. And no. no, so it is, it is a, if you have someone who's been in the industry for like, you know, five years plus, yeah. tip your hat to them. Well, I couldn't agree more. And you know, when I made that transition, it was, it taught me a lot about how to grind. Mm. How bad do you really want it? You know, and I made that transition. I did it. And the weights are just sh- like uh, shaving off immediately because yeah. you're in the gym. You're yeah. on your feet. You're holding mitts. <clears throat> you're surrounded by other people, other yeah. athletes who yeah. want the same thing. So you're going to grind. You're going to go after it. Um, and the weight is just a byproduct of that. It's hmm. going to go off. Amazing. You know? That's so cool. That it wasn't a focus. It was like a byproduct yeah. of you making a bigger change in your life. And I, and I have to say, like, you know, I've, I've seen what your schedule looks like, bro. This man is a grinder. I don't know many people that could survive a work day of yours. Being honest, like, I sure as shit. Like, I, 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 you know, when I was first doing that, like, I don't know, I guess it's about six, seven years ago now. Like, working eight to eight, holding maybe five, like, doing five, five boxing clients and, like, you know, three strength clients a day yeah. or whatever. Like, I was like, this is so wildly, wildly taxing and wildly unsustainable. Yeah. And after that, I was, like, two, three max. Yeah. And I've seen your schedule, and I'm just, like, my wrists <laughs> ache for you, bro. Yes. So, I mean, but, but, but mad respect, like, you're definitely one of the hardest-working grinding guys out, out in the industry, for sure. I really appreciate that. Like, when I started this job, I told myself nothing is promised. Mm. There's no there's no guaranteed paycheck with a consistent dollar amount. Yeah. So whatever you work, you earn. Um and on the opposite side of that, I love to give people the opportunity to experience what I can provide. Mm-hmm. And I've told myself that the job that we do, mitt work, 
Bizio, uh, you know, we provide a, a specific service, a Bitwork specifically, and we might be someone's best part of their week. Mm. Do you want to take that away from them? Mm-hmm. But on the other side, are you going to provide them with a with a quality product? Mm-hmm. Well, the fact that I know that they want to be here and they want to see me and they want to experience what I can provide mm-hmm. makes it, it wakes me up harder than coffee. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, yo, you want to experience this. Mm-hmm. You want what I can give. So that's also what drives me to work those crazy hours. Um, yes, I do feel it. I really do. Mm-hmm. You know what? That one day off is sweet. <laughs> yeah, that's because you're still under 30 that you can bounce back in one day. I'm like, what does that feel like? Yeah. Uh, oh, bless you. Um, yeah, no, definitely, definitely a hardworking guy, a grinder. And I know much how much energy and effort you put into um, coming up with specific things for people like for example a few times you know I've come in to help some some girls you were working with from check checkmat at the time I guess yeah. uh with some sparring and stuff before their fights and you always had something specific that you look for that was constructive for each person that was yeah. different um and you know even myself and I was just I was just happy to be there just getting rounds in and helping yeah. out and stuff but every time I come in there's always something you've seen so my question is when you get a new athlete, let's say, uh, let's say a competitive combat sports athlete, and you do your very first session with them, from a coach's side, what are you looking for when you see them move or you, they, they strike with you those very first few times? What are you looking for? And how do you decide what, where you want to start on your path of coaching them? You know what? I, I need to watch you move. I'm going to ask you a lot of questions. Uh, I need to watch you move. I'm going to ask you to do a lot of shadow boxing. I'm going to need you to just do line drills. See your natural tendencies. See if there's repetition. See if there's patterns that I recognize. Um, see how you handle the space. Uh, what's your posture like? Stuff like that. I'm going to ask you a lot of questions like, oh, how does sparring go? What do you land often? What don't you land off? Mm-hmm. To be honest, what I care about is what did you get hit with this week? Mm-hmm. Right? I don't really care what you're good at. I want to see where we can capitalize and build. Mm-hmm. Make you like a, an unsolvable Rubik's Cube. Mm-hmm. you know what I mean um, so when I get a new athlete it's a lot of that feel out process I want you to dance for like three rounds mm-hmm. I, I want you to shadow box with just jabs I want to see you just practice pocket game um, that's kind of what I look for Yeah. Um, when it comes down to just person just a person off the street that wants to learn then I'll run them through kind of like my routine checkup mm-hmm. that I make them do just cone drills, ladder drills basic punching mechanics. Okay, let's find what your stance looks like, stuff like that. Yeah. But when it comes down to the athlete, I kind of let them be in charge of their movement, if right. that makes sense. Yeah. You know, show me what you can do. Yeah. And then let me see how I can um, contribute. Amazing. Right? I'm not here to change you. Yeah. I want to add to you. Yeah. Right? So who are some of your biggest kind of coaching inspirations, people you, like, look up to to develop your skill set and knowledge? So I really love... Just as a kid, it was the uh, was the Fraza hobby. Okay. Because how he held himself. Right. He didn't. He wasn't aggro. It was. And he was well spoken. Yeah. And uh, that to me was amazing. Mm. He wasn't like he wasn't like dictating everything. Mm-hmm. He was like soft spoken. He was assertive um, when he had to be. He sat. He speaks very intelligently. Um, so that was one major inspiration. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eddie Reynoso. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, as a Mick guy as well. Yeah. But actually with Eddie, I, I took it even further, which was uh, how he just does repetition, repetition, repetition. Yeah. And for me, my learning style, how I absorb information is just like that. Yeah. I don't learn things quick. But if you let me repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, I will understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's obviously another one. Um, those two, I would say, are two of my favorites. And actually, third is Freddie. Now, Freddie is actually recent in my eyes. Okay, and why is that? Because I actually got to meet Freddie. Amazing, yeah. Yeah, so I went down to L.A., I believe it was last year. Yeah, I remember you going. Yeah. yeah. And a really good friend of mine, James, he... He's been training down there, and he invited me out. That's why I went down. Yeah. And we went to uh, Wildcard. Yeah. And what I loved about it was Freddie's there at the door. 
this man has trained the best in the world. This man probably sleeps in silk sheets. He doesn't have to show up to work. He's there every day. Mm -hmm. And he says hi. He asks you how you are. He asks questions. He shows that he cares. Mm -hmm. And when I was leaving, he stopped me and was like, hey, man, how's it going? Where are you from? Mm -hmm. He he genuinely cares. Mm -hmm. So I feel like as a coach, there's more than just teaching and game planning. It's those little bits of communication yeah. that go a, such a long way. Absolutely. Right? I always tell people, pad holding, coaching, and teaching are three different things. <laughs> yes. Right? But the common denominator is communicating. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and being able to communicate to a wide variety of different people mm-hmm. makes a good coach, trainer, pad holder. Absolutely. Yeah, so those are my three guys. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, so what would be your like career dream boat corner? Like who would you like uh, uh, who would you love to corner if you could have like your fantasy pick? Oh, that's such a good one. And okay, so let's expand. Okay. Let's go. Who would you corner? Who would they be fighting? Let's do that. Cuz okay. I want to know what you'd say. That ass answer? Deadass answer. I would rather corner my boy Achilles Estremadura at the highest level of the sport okay. than anybody else. And who would you like to see him fighting? Fantasy matchup. Oh, man. You know what? I think a really cool performance is, I think, top tier 155 BJ Penn. Ha! <laughs> like... OG, OG, like okay. him in his prime. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. I think that is such an unreal fight. And how would you, what, what kind of corner advice would you give to Achilles after round one with BJ Penn? No, after round one with BJ Penn, I'd, I'd look at him a lot like, uh, like how we executed with Nash. Uh, BJ Penn has really good quick twitch. His response time is high. Hella explosive. Right. Yeah. And, I, and uh, I'd be telling Achilles, hey, we need to change the rhythm on him. Mm. We need to change the rhythm. We need to match levels with him to watch for those shots. And we need to respect his power. But we need to keep him occupied and overloaded. Mm-hmm. So I think the game plan against this kind of guy would be high volume with our feints, with mm. our angles and our movement. Never be in front. Chip away with that lead hand, just like we did in that last fight. Um, I want him to attack with the head kick more to, to draw that height. Because Achilles is taller. And then once you start picking and poking, picking and poking, change that rhythm, step in hard, mm-hmm. and back to space. We're not getting greedy. Yeah. Right. Yeah, sick. So who are you working with now that you're excited about, and what kind of fights are around the corner for you? You know what? I don't know what fights are around the corner for me. Right, okay. I, I tell people I provide a service. Mm-hmm. So whatever you need, whether it's paddling, coaching, you come see me. Um, the fight week is just over. Um, occasionally I get the... I actually get to have one of your guys' Empire guys uh, uh, with me on the mat, uh, Rhett Gibbons. Shout out Rhett Gibbons. Shout out Rhett Gibbons. Man, that guy can, can hit. Yeah, he can crack. That right hand yo, something. Yo, he's, he's got a nice jab, too. Yo, very nice jab. Yeah. No, um, so right now I get to occasionally work with him. Um, but right now I'm, I'm pretty quiet when it comes to athletes. Yeah. Um, I had the opportunity to work with uh, guys like Ali Wasuk for a little bit for his fight just uh, at the start of his camp. Uh, I got to work with Jamie Siraj a little bit for his. Yeah. I got to work with Achilles a lot for his. Um, and I've been pretty jam-packed with just fights, 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 fights yeah. with that. And so I'm I'm up for grabs. If you need me to be a cornerman, if you hey. need me for a strategy, hey. if you need me for mitt work, yes. hit your boy up. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Very cool. Well, I mean, we, you know. Oh, I'm super rude. What? And... My my homegirl Ashley. Oh yeah, I got Watkins. To help out Ashley Watkins in her first MMA fight. Yeah. Shout out to Ashley. Absolutely. Shout so, out Ashley. So proud of she her. She can crack too. Oh. And she man. fought and Rachel Hoffer's she, she's game. She is game. She's she game. She's very athletic. She performed beautifully. She executed yeah. nicely. Um, shout out to Rachel. Uh that was an amazing fight. I loved it, even as a cornerman. And uh I'm so, so proud of Ashley. Yeah. We unfortunately didn't get the W. Um, but the thing is with her, she she was she was back on her horse right immediately after. Yeah. She knew what she 
should have capitalized on. And there wasn't she, much damage, right? I mean, no, she did not no, much, not, not, not much damage. Of, yeah. Not that I know of, but you know what? Like, like she's in the gym like two days later. That girl is tough, girl. tough as nails, yeah. man. I, I love her. She's a ride or die for sure. And so uh, I got the opportunity to work with her as well. It's always a pleasure with her. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I definitely look forward to seeing, uh, you know, Rhett come in and, and train with you a little yeah. bit more and see how that can kind of work into his game for the next fight. July 20th, which I hope you guys will be here. Yes. We got we got Joey's girl here. Jenny, Jenny's here. She's hanging out on the couch. Yeah, absolutely. We're going for Moroccan food after this. Yeah. I, so cold, we spent, we, yeah, right? We spent the whole entire pre-show talking about Filipino food <laughs> and lo and behold, we're heading for Moroccan. Uh, that's amazing. Now, what other things like do you hope to achieve this year? Like what are your, some of your, your career goals? So a lot of my career goals is just building the brand, obviously. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, as I've developed uh, into my career of pad holding, um, I've understood the importance of building brand and building your name. And I've learned that fighters and athletes will keep you relevant mm -hmm. and just average people will pay the bills. Um, and I want to find a nice even balance of that. Yeah. Um, I actually love training just average people and turning them to absolute weapons. Yeah, absolutely. Technical masterpieces, mm -hmm. right? One of my, my first day one client ever is this small Fijian woman named Kiwi. Shout out Kiwi. She's my ride or die. Legend. Man. She's, she's my day one. I wouldn't be here without her. Uh, I give her all the credit in the world and she makes me proud every day. And she's actually f starting to follow in these same footsteps mm -hmm. uh, of training. So if you see her, please reach out. She'll meet you up. Um, but she came to me never putting on a pair of boxing gloves. Yeah, and she's got some skills now. I yeah. wa I've watched her move a few times, and I'm like, I recognize that footwork. And it is like she really emulates a lot of yeah. you as an yeah. athlete, which is probably the first person that she ever saw really moving. Yeah. Right? So that's very cool to see. So that is that is my product. Yeah. Right? I, I got to help create this. Yeah. And um, I want people to have the confidence to step in there and learn. And for me, my goal is to one day have my own studio, build my own brand, mm -hmm. nothing crazy. And just um, not necessarily attract the biggest, best fighters, mm -hmm. but show average people that they do love boxing, that they do love martial arts. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. some might have a new client, Kate, never put a gloves on in a day in her life, mm -hmm. didn't have any interest in boxing, shows up, tries it out, now she's in love. Yeah. Now she's been to tons of fights in like six months. Sweet. And like she's one of my fastest growing students. And that is an amazing thing that I want to provide. That's the awesome. Community. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I do think that, that that benefits everybody, you know, growing the casual fan. Like that's yes. what that's what we need to do as well, you know. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to do is grow the casual fan because that's truly how boxing gets more eyes we get more opportunities yeah. we have more people coming to the fights we have more support for the local athletes uh, yeah. mma and boxing you know yes. so growing the casual fan people that you know they might never step in the ring and that's not the point the point is that that they love the sport yeah. they understand and respect the sport yes and they take the time to learn the sport in its true yeah. form right i think nothing makes me happier when someone's like well, well why is that like that yeah you know and you can talk about in the context of what they're learning, but you know, you're not, you're not trying to push them into a fight. It's like, Oh, well, this is why we do this in boxing. This is how this works. And yeah. people are like, wow, you know, and suddenly they're, they're more, they're more committed to understanding and learning it and doing it the right way. And I just love that. I love, I love the casual fan. I love the fitness fan. I That's agree. awesome. I, I, I've learned that my passion in life is teaching, right? I love teaching. I love educating, um, the community and just individuals. And I, I want to just educate the, the average majority community yeah. on what this is and what it can provide you. Yeah. Whether you want to learn how to just hit pads, whether you want to fight one day, yeah. maybe you just want exercise. But I always tell people it's, it's, it is bigger than boxing. There's yeah. always something else, yeah. you know, and I want to, I want to provide that for the general population. What do you think someone can learn f about themselves from starting boxing? Oh, so, so much. You can see how far you want to push yourself. That's, that's one of the major ones. Like how far, how deep are you willing to really go? Um, you're also on surface level. You're going to learn, you're going to learn more about your body. 
Yeah. Right. What is your body capable of? I bet you didn't know you could do that before. Yeah. You know, understanding spatial awareness and yeah. body um, and discipline, self-control. These are the things that I think are overlooked and not talked about when it comes down to boxing or other martial arts is, mm-hmm. hey, this provides you more than, um, than obviously combative skills. It's going to teach you um, mindsets, self-control, mm-hmm. discipline, understanding your body. Um, and obviously your health will benefit from this as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's no downside really, especially when you have good people, you know, teaching you the right technique and making it fun and making it accessible and approachable. I think that, I think that there's no downside. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I really look forward to seeing like where your career goes. You know, I really believe in you. I think that you're such an asset to the mixed martial arts community and the boxing community in Vancouver. And, um, you know, and you're just a good dude, you know, you're a good guy. So, you know, much love and, and I look forward to seeing you maybe who, who knows, maybe in one of our corners, I would, really very soon that would be very you know cool what? that is a bucket list thing for yeah. me that is a big bucket list thing I would love to corner on an Empire show yeah me. okay cool so, noted yeah. noted yo shout out to Empire yeah. <laughs> yeah thanks so much for coming on the show it was Thank such a so it was such a, a great opportunity to get you know get you out there get people to know you to do find out a little bit about your story where you came from and what you want to do uh, in Vancouver in, in combat sports so you know shout out and to all the hard work that you're putting in we see you grinding Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. For sure. Check out Sapperton Scrapper and follow us on YouTube. Subscribe to our channel. Support the local athletes. Support the boxing community, the coaches, the cut men, everyone in between. And we'll see you next time on the Empire Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jay. Make sure to listen, follow, and subscribe to Empire Boxing on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube.